everybody, this is Crystal Tory. I am your host of the podcast you're listening to. It's the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number 23. And it's a little weird doing it right now. We just got back from vacation. We went to Mexico and visited uh, my wife Patsy's family, which was just an awesome, cultural, Mexican, beautiful experience. She has an amazing family. So uh, any of you that are listening from Patsy's family, hi there. And I had a great time. And thank you so much for all the hospitality and putting up with with me not being able to speak any Spanish and you guys didn't make me feel like an outsider which was really nice so I have to say thank you and I also have to say thank you to everyone that has looked at the website sunspotscomics.com thank you peek in tell a friend not only sunspotscomics.com but zombiedestroyers.com which will be a webcomic I'm putting out on that site very soon so please check that out and also please follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. We'd appreciate it. Don't forget to share stuff, tell a friend, like things, retweet stuff. We just appreciate it. It just sort of helps build the empire that is Sunspots Comics. <laughs> I don't know if it's an empire, but it's fun. And this week, it's just, uh, just a totally fun episode. I've, it's a, a little loosey-goosey. Patsy loves when I say loosey-goosey. So that's for you, babe. Um... <laughs> In that uh, not a lot of time, not a lot of preparation, got to go back to work tomorrow, etc. The vacation was awesome, but you know how it is. You get back and you got to jam-pack stuff in. And plus, this week there was 25 comic books on the list. The biggest ever I've had that I can remember in in history. It's got to go back a few years that it's been since I've had 25 in one week. So that hit the pocketbook pretty hard, and it just, uh, you know, takes a lot of time to read 25 books. But luckily, they were really good. Although it was an easy to pick the top 10, so it makes me think maybe the bottom 15 were not so good. But the the top 10 just stood out quickly and easily. So I love that, because I can deliberate for a long time over the top picks. But uh, we also have some feel-good factoid freebies I'm going to jump into. Uh, One quick AI story. And I'm going to jump into the mailbag, and it's just going to be a whole lot of fun. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. And please tell someone you know that, hey, Chris Latore does a podcast about comic books, and it's fun, and he's goofy, and all that good stuff. We'd appreciate it. So jumping right into the the, the show, let's go into the mailbag first, listener mailbag. And this one comes from Nicole G. And Nicole G, she really says some very complimentary things, so I won't... uh, bore you with all that i'll just say she loves the podcast she said she listens to it at work it makes her day go by fast thank you so much for all the kind words nicole g and she has been reading some comics she wants to get more into it and so she has kind of a question she emailed me and you can as well and i will be mailing her a prize and if you'd like to win a prize email me at chris at sunspotscomics.com and what she wrote here is i do have a question I love Star Wars, as you know. I, I kind of know her a little bit, so I do know that she likes the Star Wars, loves the Star Wars. And I really want to dive into comics more, but there are so many, and I don't know where to start, or is there any particular order, or where do I jump in? Any suggestions? So this is to you, Nicole, and thank you for writing in, so you will win a prize, and your prize is what I recommend to you. It's actually actually Lazarus. Lazarus is from the Eisner Award-winning team of Rucka, Arcus, and Lark, and it's amazing. It, it's this. Uh, I'll send you the trade, the first trade paperback, which has the first four issues in it. 
And it's the story about Forever Carlisle. She's the, the Lazarus, which the Lazarus for them is a is a enhanced super soldier. And she represents this Carlisle family. Ultimately, in this uh, future adventure apocalyptic drama, the corporations are run by... They run the world, the corporations do, and they run, they're run by these families that run these big corporations. And they're always uh, warring with each other, and that's basically the story. And Forever Carlisle is the one that sort of questions her her she has like kind of lack of memory and she has these amazing super regenerative ability and she's this crazy super soldier that can fight with a with a, a a sword and she sort of questions that upbringing and why she asks the questions she asks those questions why why am i so loyal to this family and why are we warring and so it's uh, causing issues and it it paints a really crazy detailed picture of this world that Greg Rucka is writing and it it has emotional depth to it and it's it's just a whole lot of fun the, the art is is very hyper realistic so I hope you like that Nicole it's super realistic art style uh, just very just very physically correct in all of its there isn't really any abstraction it's just very like I said it's very literal very realistic and I hope you enjoy it it's a, it's a drama I'd say it's a military futuristic drama and it's just a lot of fun it's so well written i highly recommend it to anyone and i will be sending that to you for writing in as a thank you that will be your prize lazarus the trade paperback number one so it's on its way and the second thing i have to recommend i know you uh i think you're looking for just one recommendation nicole but the other one is star wars the newest inclination the 2015 on i'd say that it's of the titles from princess leia to the shattered empire to lando it is the best of the of them. They're on number 10, and the trade paperback, I think, is just about to come out of Star Wars number 1. And it's a great little... Uh, it's a great telling. There's some sort of what-if there, and you wonder if it's going to affect the Star Wars continuity, uh, Nicole. So if you're a hardcore Star Wars purist, this might catch you a little off guard. You might be like, oh, this, this, this could change things. Why are they messing with the history? But if you just kind of go with it as a fun Star Wars story... Um, it it works really well. It's just a lot of fun. It it hits all those beats that, that you're really looking for in a Star Wars comic. It has Luke searching the galaxy for Jedi artifacts to learn more about being a Jedi. So this is right after Episode Four, after New Hope, and you have Han trying to set up a new rebel base with Leia, and of course mayhem ensues, and you have Chewbacca to the rescue of Luke because Luke's Luke's getting into some hijinks he's getting into some trouble so it's just kinda what you're looking for in a good Star Wars uh, comic book art is fantastic the team they got on it ridiculous Aaron Eminen Van Graw Badger Ponzer I mean you can't go wrong with Jason Aaron's writing it's top-notch and so check out Star Wars but I will be mailing Lazarus to you so give that a little while and I'll be reaching out to you to get your address and so thank you for writing in, and that's our dip into the listener mailbag. So thank you, Nicole. So let's jump right into this week's four comic book feel-good factoid freebies. And these are basically the headlines of the week. I like to keep them fresh. I like to find things that are a little off the beaten path, that, that are a little different in the realm of comic books. You can hear and see online everything 
uh, in the realm of movies and TV shows and comic books coming out. But I look for those stories that are a little odd and that also make me kind of feel good. That just war- they warm up my nerd heart. So this week we have four stories. The first one is from themorningcall.com. And its title is Lore McAnee, 50,000K comic book caper takes dangerous turn with guns. So ultimately, I'll highlight this story, but I will post it all on the social media. I do as, as I do all my articles that I find for the Feel Good Factoid freebies. This one ultimately was about this listing on Craigslist for an entire comic book collection for sale for $50,000. So this guy and his buddy set up a meeting in this house, which they come to find out later is a non-occupied home. And the gentleman that claimed to have these comic books for sale stick a gun in the guy's face. And <laughs> they have a tussle. There is a kind of a throwdown. The, the, there's two buddies, the, the two guys actually showed up and they were supposed, supposed to meet one person and there were three. And so they got into this big huge tussle, there was some throwdown action, some heads getting clonked around, and they throw the bag of $50,000 cash. They showed up with the $50,000 cash, throw it over into the neighbor's house next door. Two of the uh, assailants chase after the cash, and they're able to subdue the one main guy that was left there. Gene and his buddy were able to to subdue him, which he, uh, Mr. Jimenez was charged with a bunch of stuff, uh, with uh, two counts of robbery, aggravated assault, theft, uh, selling stolen property, receiving stolen property, they threw the book at him, and the other two got away with the cash, so they're still searching for them, but they did catch the one guy, but crazy, moral of the story, right, uh, don't buy large amounts of comic books on Craigslist, I guess, but crazy story, I saw that and was like, wow, and it didn't really make any headlines, didn't make any noise on anything, although I'm not a big news watcher, but I, I did find this on this kind of obscure site, so interesting story, don't buy stuff on Craigslist, yikes. Number two is from AtlantaBlackStar.com. ABC develops new Marvel comic illuminating the success of late writer Dwayne McDuffie. So they're trying to build on their success with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, and Agent Carter, the TV show. ABC is developing another Marvel property TV show, but it's a little different. It's called Damage Control. It's based on the cult uh, comic book classic created by Ernie Colon, Colon and the late writer Dwayne McDuffie. And it's, it's features around a janitorial service that specializes in cleaning up the mess that superheroes leave after saving the day. Can you imagine the mess they have to clean up after the Man of Steel movie? My goodness. And it's going to be set as like a half-hour single-camera comedy series? So I have to look at that. I, I can't think of any other sort of superhero series specifically focusing on that damage control and also making it a comedy so that definitely sounds different and unique and it's nice for them to be looking at the work of McDuffie he's mostly known for his work on Static Shock which I'm not a big reader of I've dabbled over the years but uh, here and there but I feel like I need to go back I'm waiting for like a big collection who knows maybe they have a big collection of an omnibus but Static Shock is uh, his his um his most appreciated work of art, I would say. His, it was his, uh, his, his work that he did for a lot of years, I guess. Also, and he he passed away at the at the early age of 49. So nice to see that ABC is going to pick up some of his work and hopefully they'll do something with Static Shock. That'd be fantastic. That that series just looks very interesting, and I've only dabbled in it, so I want more of it. But um, 
there's that one. So that's an interesting uh, up and coming. Can't wait to see a Marvel comedy TV show. And next up is the, well, I guess this would be the, uh, the third. Yeah, third. And it's a site called Comic Blitz with a Z, Comic Blitz. And it's an all iPad only website sort of following along the Netflix footsteps. They're trying to be an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-read comic book digital service that will be about 10 bucks a month. You can get the first month free. You know I'm all about the paper. I'm all about it. But I might like to reread some stuff every occasionally, but my focus is always to have that, that paper. But something I might want to look at. They only have, it looks like, about 10 publisher companies now from Action Lab, Dynamite, Graphic Universe, Red 5, Valiant, Xenoscope, Action Lab. So some of the, or Action Lab Danger Zone, some of the more obscure, smaller publishers, Aspen's in there. So I kind of wonder, are they going to get uh, the bigger ones? Marvel, Image, DC, something? But I'll be keeping an eye out on Comic Blitz, and you can check more about that on comicblitz.com. And the fourth and final comic book feel-good factoid freebie is from moviepilot.com titled Superman's Penis Just Made It to an Actual DC Comic Book. <laughs> I laughed when I just read the headline of this. So it's talking about the new Dark Knight 3 series Master Race coming out very soon, I think in November. And uh, Frank Miller going back into his Dark Knight series doing, the, they say, the third and final series from Frank Miller. And he does, it looks like an alternate cover where he might find his junk a little on display. Not really sure. It could be the ruffling of the suit. Who knows? It was DC approved, as it says here. The cover has to be DC approved, and they're all about family. I mean, come on. They're owned by Warner Brothers, etc. But, you know, it could it could be a phallic, uh, phallicness happening there. You know, hard to say, but... Uh, yeah, you decide. I'll put the link out, and uh, you stare into Superman's crotch and think about it, and then, you know, who knows? Maybe post something. Write it on uh, my Facebook or email me. I'd like to hear your take on that. But, you know, hard to say. I mean, it maybe it does look a little, I don't know. It's maybe a little dome, a little dome there. Uh, who, who knows? But anyway, you tell me. You you tell me what you think. But anyway, <laughs> that's the, uh, the four feel-good comic book feel-good factoid freebies. Hope you enjoyed all of those. So let's see what's happening in the world of artificial intelligence. Let's take a dip on in there. I have one actually this week from sciencealert.com titled Artificial Intelligence Systems Found to Have the IQ of a Four-Year-Old. Now I find this frightening. Have you ever spent any time with a four-year-old? You know, they're good for a while, right? And then all of a sudden they can just go all Wolverine berserker on you? Well, that's what the artificial intelligent world and the University of Illinois considers to be where they've where their benchmark now is there the IQ of about a four-year-old with the, the artificial intelligence uh, software programs they're working on so I find that frightening because uh, you know I've, I've four-year-olds can be a little crazy and want to want to murder death kill you every so often when they don't have their juice or their snacks or whatever so uh, you know I hope they they implement a little milder a little not-so-intense attitude into this, uh, the four-year-old artificial intelligence, uh, software. Let's, let's make it happier, friendlier, and not need snacks and such so that it, they kill us. Okay. So anyway, that's the one from, uh, sciencealert.com, the artificial intelligence story this week. So, kind of interesting. And without further ado, let's get into the 
Top 10 comic book picks for new comic book day, October 7th. And as I said before, 25 comic books I read. Spoiler alert, by the way. And I tell you, it's it's tough for me to pick comic books sometimes in the matter of that I really do hold the price tag of comic books uh, something heavily into consideration when I buy them. So they really have to be something unique, something really special. I don't want to just spoil a new comic, especially new number one, and just look all the way through it. I've just got to kind of look at the paper stock, look at the title, look at the coloring, maybe look at the team uh, of, of who is doing it from art to writing, etc., ink, colors. And it, it really is something I de debate over and go over and research and read. So I really want to make good recommendations to all of you, and that's what this is really all about. I just wanted to kind of explain that, that aspect of it. And I read the comics, I reread them, and I really spend some time trying to find the best of the best. And this week there were 10 that clearly just jumped right out. An interesting fact, too, was there were actually eight number ones this week, which I don't know if I really count the Marvel number ones, because are, are those really number ones? Because um, four of the eight of the number ones that came out this Wednesday uh, were number ones, and three of them were Marvel titles, so I don't even know if I can count those three as number ones, but definitely a new number one made it into those top tens, and so we're going to jump right into that. So let's just uh, grab number ten, and that is from Image Comic Comics, Bob Fingerman's Minimum Wage Number 6, and Bob Fingerman's does the whole shebang on this, the, the art, the writing, the coloring, which is kind of a black and white sort of black, white, and blue uh, is what he does. Every now and then he'll throw in a splash of color, but then he'll even sort of reverse the coloring and go from like a dark background. But it's a it's a very 90s-esque sort of punk rock autobiography of Mr. Fingerman where he writes the main character based on himself. And I've really thoroughly enjoyed this. It's, it's a very intelligent look at someone's life in the 90s. And he's a comic book artist trying to make it in the biz, and he has continual lady issues. And he uh, he's divorced, and in this issue, he's his ex-wife is dipping back into his life. And he thinks maybe that's what he wants to do, but he's also starting a new chapter where he's making it into comics. He's finally Things are starting to pay off for him in the realm of comic books, because he was in the adult comic book industry, and I mean in the sense of it was it was porn comics and he's actually trying to be in just legitimate sort of superhero style comics and this is a, a turn sort of a, a an interesting point in his life where he ultimately says no to the ex-wife he wants to just move on with his life and start this new avenue of comic books and i felt you can always feel the emotional resonance in Bob Frankerman's writing. He's writing himself, so it just seems very true, and it seems very real. And although it's a hyper-realistic and fun and and very witty, and it's just a, a blast and a glimpse into the 90s. So I really enjoyed that, and that's why it's my, my number 10. Now, my number 9 is an ending issue, uh, Surface Tension, from Titan Comics by Jay Gunn, another where... Jay does the whole shebang. He wrote, illustrated this, and it's the five of five. It's over. It's done. And this was the story. I've had it as a pick. I think it was a number one pick in the past. I'll have to go back 
to Sunspots Comics, which you should to see all of my top picks in the past on sunspotscomics.com slash pull list. You'll see all my picks in the past. And this was where this alien, this alien, uh, this alien infestation, kind of like coral, pops up in the ocean and draws everyone into the ocean to take their DNA from them. So he kills everyone, kills all the humans mostly, I guess about 80%, having them walk into the ocean, stealing their DNA, and uses their DNA to clean the ocean and clean the earth. Because it's set sort of in present day where, yeah, the ocean's not doing so good, the world and air is not doing so good, and this alien technology just hell-bent on wiping humans out to just sort of save the planet. So sort of strange... And it's, they, they sort of do it unemotionally. It's just something they feel, these aliens just, it just has to be done. He doesn't, this, this writer Jay Gunn doesn't delve deep into the psyche of the alien in, in the way you think. So it just seems like it's just something they know has to be done. There are species on planets that have to be wiped out so planets can be cleaned. And this is the ragtag sort of rebel group trying to fight against this. The first contact person his sort of mind was has been melded with this alien cleaning technology and he's sort of the one that creates the uh, the wrench in the system and pulls two people in to this coral alien cleaning technology and sends them back out there's only two people to ever return and those two people were sort of imbued with the DNA of this alien technology but ultimately designed to create its downfall and so this is where it sort of wraps up, and it's, it's uh, the two characters now find their true cause. Their, their bodies completely change into sort of half-alien, half-human uh, creatures, where they're like about nine feet tall. And so they're going to battle. The, the alien technology now has sent these monsters out to sort of finish off and wipe out the remainder of the people. And it's the battle with that. And the colors are just so bright and blue and neon and, and just, just sort of happy coloring. And it was just a lot of fun. And it's the last of the... Uh, I'm sad to see it go. It does look like it completely wraps it up. Which is good, right? Things, sometimes good things need to just end. Don't need to keep dragging it on. But there you go. That's my number nine. And number eight is Starve. Issue number five from Image Comics by Brian Wood. Who I love his writing. Daniel Zezajezels. His name is impossible. And Dave Stewart. Who did some wonderful, wonderful coloring in this. And very, very dark. Very set in the future... I would say the core of this, it goes back to the core of the story, that's why it's in, it's in the top ten, is because it's about food, it's about the relationship with his wife, and it's about this reality TV show. Maybe the other fourth part of it is the, the battle, this nasty battle he has with his ex-wife. And this guy is trying, he's on the road to redemption. He's trying to win this reality TV show and be the best chef in the world. Seems like there is only the upper class and extreme lower class, but all they do is want to escape and watch this TV show called Starve. And he's really just using it to reconnect with his wife, and in this he even explains to his daughter, which that's the, co the core heart of the story, which they do really well, and it's just completely believable, and it taps on the heartstrings, that he tells his daughter, now he doesn't just want to fix things with his daughter, because he hasn't been there for her, and he got into drugs and debauchery and etc., that he really wants to try to to mend things with his ex-wife too who just hates him with just this bile nasty she tries to have him killed in this and this other chef faction almost like gangs uh they had going to a, a battle with pvc piping 
It's something they've agreed upon. That's the terms of the fight, and they just beat the crap out of each other for, for a while. And our main character, you know, is triumphant in this battle. So he fights really dirty. <laughs> and then it's back into the show. And how they do food is great. It just makes you hungry. They have steaks, ribs, binds, swine chops, pancetta, and the famous Krushank sauce, who is our main character, Krushank. And it just gets right back to the heart of this story, which was the daughter and the food, and it does it so well, and it's different, and I really enjoyed it in a very dark, sort of brooding style. Very, very well done. And that's my number eight. And my number seven is Star Wars by Marvel Comics, number ten. And I definitely recommend this. The team, Aaron, Eminem, Von Grawbadger, Ponzor. This is the most consistent of the Star Wars series, as I told when I recommended to Nicole. And it's just a lot of fun. It, it, it's what you want in a Star Wars story. And so there is this woman. Oh, spoilers, by the way, Nicole. You should be careful because I, I know you haven't read any of this, especially, and, and others who haven't. But there is a woman claiming to be Han Solo's wife with a very Millennium Falcon-esque ship. And he's saying, no, you're not my wife, cut it out. And they're they're just running from the Empire. This, uh, this again, takes place after Episode 4. It's kind of before Empire Strikes Back. And Chewbacca is going back to help Luke out. The Rebels say they can't. They can't afford it. They don't have the people. They don't have the manpower. Chewbacca's like, I'm going. And I'm going after my buddy, and I'm going to go get him. Which, you know what that all sounds like. And C-3PO tags along to be the translator. And Chewbacca's torturing people to get some information. He's on the planet where Luke is. People aren't cooperating. He has to rip arms and legs and limbs and etc. And then Luke's fighting for his life. He's going to be thrown into this gladiator arena for this Hut, this uh, member of the Hut family, who knows he's going to die, but at least wants him to last a little while, so sends in a maybe he's a Jedi who has his own lightsaber to sort of train him a little to at least make it interesting in this fight is what they're looking for so he doesn't die so quickly. So I thought that was an interesting concept there. They know he's going to die, and they're selling it uh, on the ticket as The Last Jedi, come see it before, he, before, he's, uh, before you can never see Jedis again. So I just thought that was well written and just fantastically interesting. And then you go back to Leia and, quote, Mrs. Solo, uh, unquote, unquote, uh, where they're just, again, escaping from from this uh, armada of Empire, TIE Fighters, Star Cruiser, etc. And it's just so well drawn, the action's fantastic. And uh, and then you go back to Chewie, and you even meet someone from Naboo, which I was a little frightened that it was Jar Jar, but I don't think it is, but it sounds a whole lot like Jar Jar! But anyway, it was just a lot of fun, check out that. And that's my number seven. Number six is, here's the new number one. And it's by Image Comics. Paper Girls, number one. Written by the amazing Brian K. Vaughn. And Cliff Chang is, is on artist, and on the art here. Gorgeous, oh my gosh. Matt Wilson doing colors. So pastel-y, so the blues. It's just, blue is everywhere on this. And they really focus on the facial emotions here to really to really grab you and to have you emotionally invested in these characters and it it's a it's a twisted little story it starts with a dream sequence which I'm not the biggest fan of dream sequences but they pull this off it's short of where she keeps having this reoccurring dream of a strange demon that is torturing her little sister so there's this little there's this sort of teenage character this focuses on and her little sister 
Um, and this sort of demon with horns is torturing his sister, and then she wakes up, and she is going to a paper route. It kind of looks like she is maybe new to this town, and she's starting a paper route, and it's 4.40 in the morning. I can relate to that in ways I actually worked for a paper route at a very young age, so it brought back a little bit of my childhood, so some nostalgic feeling there for me. And Brian Kevon, you know he's going to turn things on their head and twist it up, and he exactly does that. So you first are introduced to this conflict of, hey, there's a new girl on the uh, paper route, and there's three girls already sort of doing that, but they kind of quickly befriend her. They're, they're not out to be mean to her, and she's sort of being picked on by these bullies, and the girl paper route, the girl, the paper girls sort of come to the rescue. And they quickly befriend her, and it, and it kind of works. It's done a little quickly, but you can tell the way it's written, it, it lays it out nicely here, and, and, and it feels very real in the dialogue. And I really enjoyed that. It, it felt right, and they run into the cops, and there's one main character in the Paper, paper Girls here that's, that's kind of uh, has a reputation from the police, and so there's a little exchange there, which uh, definitely, definitely works. And then... They, and then the major twist comes in. So here you go, and spoiler alert, of course. Where they go into... The, their walkie-talkie is uh, stolen, their, their radio, CB radio, walkie-talkie. And they chase after those neighborhood jerks that stole it and chase them into where they think they would be, into this basement. And there's some sort of crazy-looking, science fiction-y, UFO-looking machine that zaps them and transports them maybe into another galaxy, another dimension... But there's ninja aliens, and what a little twisty turn! I didn't see that coming. I didn't. I thought this was maybe going to be like just focused on on this paper route and this new girl in the new neighborhood. But yeah, major turn twist. So there you go. And my number five. I think we're on number five. Yeah, one, two, five. number five is my Marvel comics. The sort of number one, because who knows with all their numbering and continuity thing going on. Um, is Doctor Strange, number one, and by written by Justin Aaron. My gosh, he's, he's just writing everything. He's insane. And Jason Aaron. And I tell you, the art is by Chris Bocciolo, and it is gorgeous. And color by Townsend. I would say this is my art pick of the week. I'm going to say it now. His art, when he's not rushed, Bocciolo is a master. You have to sit and look at his panels because it's hard to even sort of tell what's going on, and then it just, oh, okay, that's what he's going for. Jason Aaron writing this, you can tell it's professionally written, it's unique, he, he sets the stage here for Doctor Strange, which is nice to see that, I mean, hopefully this will be an ongoing, but nice to see sort of a fresh start that looks like it has nothing to do with Battle World and Secret Wars, etc., which I didn't participate in much of that, but he's quickly in the astral plane trying to help a nine-year-old boy that his soul some sort of evil bacteria like demon spirit has attached to this nine-year-old kid's soul and dr strange is there trying to save the day and 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 kiss the damsel it looks like and <laughs> interesting when that sort of quick battle is over that he's sitting in the nine-year-old boy's room indian style floating in the in the air and that's all he was doing so the parents come in and they're like, did anything happen? You've just been sitting there. <laughs> he would say that. Is he good? Is our son okay? 
And he's like, yeah, it's all taken care of. <laughs> so he just sat in their rooms, just awkwardly staring at the kid. But I thought that was hilarious how, how he wrote that, because that's, that's definitely what it would be like. It's just a grown man sitting in a nine-year-old boy's room, Indian-style, floating five feet off the floor. And the battle ensued in the astral plane that no one can see. But well done. And then he... I like how his suit, uh, Doctor Strange is very elaborate, very pointy-collared suit, just sort of retracts like like it it morphs, kind of like it's venom, like it's a, a symbiote, into like, a, you know, some hipster clothing, just kind of a jacket, and, and the scarf, the scarf uh, of which the collar turns into a scarf matches like his belt, like it, it just kind of works. I mean, it's a little goofy, I guess, but it's, but it's, uh, it, it's practical. You know, where was he going to walk down the street in New York in this crazy mystical sorcerer suit? That can't, that can't work. So, yeah, it turns into some Levi's and a, and a, and a nice, uh, you know, kind of hoodie-looking jacket. And then he pops open his mind's eye where it has this crazy-looking third eye as he's walking down the streets in New York. And it shows you what he sees, which I thought was really well done. That's why it's art pick. And he sort of describes something very interesting as how we have mites that eat dead skin off of our body. Well, it's the same for our spirits in this magical astral realm, that there are small bacteria-like demons and such that cling to you, most of which don't do you any harm. But some can actually affect your spirit, your soul, and your and your physical body, etc. And so he, as he's walking down the street, finds one that is uh, looks a little more like it's going to do some serious damage and has to quickly battle that one. But again, he's kind of fighting invisible, like invisibleness, and so he looks like a crazy person. I thought that was interesting. Oh, he's kind of swallowed by this crazy worm-looking astral, magical, spiritual monster, and then he's just standing there, and they're going, walking past him going, weirdo! But he mentions, hey, if you see a, a bum staring off into space, or you see someone that's standing there, you never know. They could be fighting for your soul, so be nice to him. But anyway, that was, that was really well done. I really enjoyed that. And uh, next up is the uh, number four pick is Amazing Spider-Man number one by Marvel Comics written by Dan Slott and penciler Giuseppe Camancoli inker Cam Smith colorist Marty Gracia Gracia and cover art winner of the week by the master Alex Ross and his beautiful green neon-esque Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man cover is delicious it's amazing it's got a little speed racer feel to it. It definitely has a, a say a smidge of, of Japanese Batman there. He's got a he's got a Batmobile or a Spidermobile. <laughs> I don't know what he actually remember what he names it, but this is cool for a couple of reasons as to why it works for me. I like to see Spider-Man as an adult. I like to see Spider-Man as someone that's not a like a fool, someone that's not made fun of, someone that's taken serious. He is a, a scientist, he's ex extremely smart, and he has a very high moral compass, and he has his, you know, his Uncle Ben's tragic death always as his barometer to how he needs to treat people in his life, and that's all shown here. It definitely has a heroic feel to it overall, which was refreshingly nice. Just he now is a successful businessman, owns Parker Industries, and it's global, it's worldwide. And this is in Shanghai, showing some, some problems he's having there with a, a, a evil faction that's trying to steal some of his technology. 
and he's got a sort of sideish kick in the car, Mockingbird, drawn so fantastically well. The action sequence here is—I love the suit, the new spy, the new Spider-Man suit. It has the sort of black spider in his chest, sort of highlighted with green neon, and it works for me. And it's just a lot of fun to see him in charge, on top, taken seriously. He still has the smart Alec quips. And he's liked by the public, which I enjoy that. The people of Shanghai are telling him, like, Go Spidey! And yelling out, Thwip! Thwip! In Mandarin, which I wonder what, what that would actually sound like. <laughs> but it's, it's just well done. The splash page of Spidey in action is what you want in a Spider-Man comic and what I've missed for a while. And so he even goes to a wedding, a gay wedding. So there you go, some diversity. I know Marvel is definitely taking a bigger leap into that area. Doesn't really feel forced. Doesn't feel like, okay, we got to jam diversity down your throat here. These are two characters that he's dealt with before in the the Superior Spider-Man series, and he destroyed their Horizon Lab. So as a wedding gift, he he rebuilds it because he's got money now. And he calls it Horizon Labs instead of Parker Industries, you know, Horizon Division or something. And, and I thought that was sweet and actually worked. And and he talks about how he takes a middle management salary here and how his company produces billions worth of dollars, yet he really doesn't take any of it. And it's he talks about how it's because it's the right thing to do. And he wants to, he has a, a uh, press conference and, say, and he says some in, an interesting word here, like a sentence where he says, I want to make the world worth living, not just save it. And I thought, okay, that's nice. And he still has his sort of, I don't want anyone to die in situation there where he even fights the bad guy and the bad guy tries to bite on a capsule to kill himself. And no, he's already dealt with people that have done that. And he has a little sort of spidey tracer that knocks him unconscious before he's able to, oh no, it's an antidote, that the spidey tracer antidote that... Um, saves the villain even as he before he tries to kill himself with that death capsule so fantastic I'm in added to the regular pull number three is another Marvel number one Invincible Iron Man number one uh, by uh, Brian Michael Bendis so the master you cannot deny his work and artist David Marquez and color artist Justin Ponzer I tell you the art on this is gorgeous this is probably the second maybe third favorite art they introduce a character here who's a bad the baddie and her she's wearing this sort of mask and it's just so intricately drawn and gorgeous very realistic feeling for an Iron Man comic I just enjoyed it shows Tony in the lab trying to create a new suit because he, he feels all his prior suits are old hat he has to up his game bring the technology up to another level and he sort of does I would say that's the only little maybe teeny minor the suits okay it's very manga looking very Japanimation sort of style but I enjoy it and the functionality of it makes sense and this is where he meets a super smart uh, scientist woman that you can tell Tony's doing his Tony thing trying to schmooze and booze her but ultimately he's there to advise her that um, he knows that she's very smart and she needs to take additional measures to protect her technology so it can't be reverse engineered kind of an interesting concept he says there's more than just private security and firewalls and encryption that you need there are there are basically mutants out there there's superhero superhero villains out there that can read your mind and and that are mind assassins etc 
So it awakens her to a world of, okay, I think I do need to... There is a, a technology I've created, which was healing mutants. Reversing the mutant gene. And so Tony's like, yeah, you need to hide this. So interesting where this is going. And the bad guy is popping around places, stealing stuff from Tony Stark's facility. So he has to pop open the prototypish Mark 97, whatever it is, and fly into action. And it's just gorgeously well done and then out of the shadows steps a guy who is kind of a bit of a surprise dr doom with uh, no massive scarring no no awesome iron mask it's just hey um i'm victor what's up but uh <laughs> that, what an interesting little twist where's this gonna go i gotta i gotta keep reading it so very well done good job marvel the number one and two i swear is like a number like a tie it's a two-way tie for number one but uh, we'll go in this way, and the number the number two pick of the week is from Dark Horse Comics, The Goon. Part four of four of Once Upon a Hard Time by Eric Powell. Eric Powell does the whole shebang. The, the art, the writing, the penciling, the coloring, the everything. And it's gorgeous. He has a definite Rockwell, Rockwellian style of art. It's monsters, it's mayhem, it's, it's our guy goon punching monsters in the face. But this is this is a I could definitely felt the emotion here. They did Eric did a great job. Eric, Mr. Powell did a great job of really painting us into a picture of the goon is like emotionally kind of spent here. He's he's at his end. He's tired of of trying to to heal and cleanse this this cursed city that he lives in, and it's just uh, it's just taken everything out of him. And you definitely feel like he doesn't have much left. And how is he gonna? Fight the final bad guy, who is this crazy-looking, scarecrowish, looking like it's made of wood with these insane claws. And yeah, Goon finds a way. Oh, a very violent, sort of bloody, gory, action-y way of, of dispatching this final bad guy. And he thinks that's the final bad guy, and of course, there's always one more, and it's a giant bad guy. The final sorcerer comes out, the one he's, that's been hiding in the shadows, throwing all these bad guys at our main character, Goon. Finally, has the they were leading up with this woman that that cheated on her husband, and the husband killed himself, and his sort of dark spirit merged with hers, which is this sort of evil, twisted spirit. And this conjurer, this magician, was able to harness that into this giant, grotesque monster that Goon just has nothing left. He he, uh, you're really feeling like, oh my gosh, are they gonna are they gonna end him here? Like. It's written in such a way that you really feel like this could happen, and I believed it. And it's it's well drawn, and and the uh, the the uh, the action here and how this monster is just smashing him continually. You're like, you're like, I was really feeling it, like emotionally, like, oh my gosh, they're this is a beloved character, and he's getting his ass kicked. Well, thank goodness for someone that steps out of the shadows and basically talks, it talks to the. The, the man jilted by the woman and tries to catch that part of the spirit uh, of this evil monster and is able to talk him down and renders the magician man sort of helpless and back to sort of human form and the goon, well, takes care of business. But even the hope of where this is going, because he, he's always lived in this city and now he's like, that's it, I'm, I'm out of here. Anywhere but here is his actual line. He's a man of few words, the goon is, of course. And it looks like they're going to be carnies. And that uh, 
of course, introduces a potential new bad guy in the new series called Lords of Misery. So you, uh, you have to get it. If you don't have all of the goon, all issues, which I would think collectively it's somewhere in the 30s, 40s, you really need to get all of it. It's gorgeous. It's a whole lot of fun. Monsters. And you got the goon who's a man of few words who who likes to just punch things in the face. And, and his sidekick, of course, that uh, is just all mouth. So it's a lot of fun. Check out the goon. And the number one pick of the week for new comic book day, October 7th. This giant sized issue, this giant sized week of 25 comic books is by Image Comics, Southern Bastards number 11 from Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. The Jason, the dream team of Jasons. And this starts out developing a new character which was so interesting and so well done and I think is going to have serious impact on the entire story of Southern Bastards as we go forward. This is a guy named Boone is his name. He comes from a family of Boones who are real country, he puts it. And interesting pairing of music was about six or seven pages in, he has a cassette player with Bill Monroe sitting there, a bluegrass artist. I popped him up and played nothing but Bill Monroe as I was reading this, and it paired extremely well. Because I always try to do that with all of my comics, from just movie soundtracks to various various artists that I feel will match or pair what I'm reading. Bluegrass paired extremely well with Southern Bastards. It always does. And so our new character Boone kills a deer and he's sort of thinking out loud about how people aren't real country. That he lives in a house his father made. His grandmother still still plows their own crops. And he, he uh, hunts deer with nothing but a crossbow. Not like how all the modern people hunt deer. He said, that ain't hunting, that ain't country. And so you're introduced to this guy who's, who's gutting a deer. And then he's going to church. And he's in this crazy church where they have a box of rattlesnakes. And they believe that that will truly tell us what your soul is like. And even this young boy uh, picks up a rattlesnake. And the rattlesnake bites him. But he, he you know, everyone's like, oh, call an ambulance, let's get him out of here. And Boone's like, he's in the Lord's hands now. And he stands up, and he's okay with the with the poison in his system, rattlesnake poison venom. And so, man, what a messed up church! What an interesting church. And then they having a feast after that. So, after the whole rattlesnake thing, Boone Boone cooked some venison and brought it to the potluck. And the ladies are kind of after Mr. Moon, but he has nothing to do with them. And they stand in a circle, do a little prayer, and they're praying for a simple-minded daughter of someone in the group that was brutally raped and Boone is can't listen to any more of this story and he bounces out of the prayer circle on a mission to find this guy because he believes he truly knows who raped this young girl who is simple they say is simple-minded gets his crossbow and he you see his sort of layer here with all his crossbows and his arrows you know this kind of jumped out to me as like the future story of Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead. I could totally see this as him. He's got a long beard. He's definitely a little older. All into the bow and arrows, crossbows, etc. Listening to Bill Monroe. So he's on a manhunt. And he finds who he believes is the person. I mean, there's really no confirmation of that. He just feels it's him. The guy's kind of a scumbag. And yeah, he shoots arrows into his tires, into his trucks. 
and then plunges some arrows into the guy. And the layouts, the art, gorgeous. How he draws the south here and how he's in like a a small boat, you know, a little motorboat going into the deep part of the swamp to drop this body of this person he believes raped this young girl. And he comes across some of, uh, <laughs> now it kind of ties in to the story because he comes across some of Coach Boss's guys on, on the lake, on the river, uh, drinking and partying and, and naked ladies on the boat, etc. And he's telling them, you know, tell them women to put some clothes on. There's, there's families near here. Boone is, is telling this and he's like, he doesn't give a crap. Him and his, this coach boss's guys are like, you need to get the hell out of here. But Boone stays true to what he believes in, and I, I like that. He doesn't compromise. He's uh, He tells them, you know, he doesn't care about football, and you guys should clear on out of here, and, and ladies put some clothing on. So he just has these, this they, the way they draw this, the way they've laid this character out, you know, his morals, his religious belief, just very believable, very realistic. He takes his boat deeper into... The river and drops off his dead body, and as they go down into the water, sort of a reminder of uh, Dexter. As, uh, yeah, there's a sea of bodies in there with arrows plunged into him. And so he so he decides to go back to church, throw a bunch of rattlesnakes on him, and look for, look for a sign, look for guidance, saying that, is this the time I need to finally go and kill Coach Boss? So what a great little departure from the story to introduce this character. And, and he just, I love the art style. I love the, the cohesion of this character development into the main story. It, uh, it, it's just so exciting. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next in Southern Bastards. So that's why it's the number one pick. So those are my recommendations. Please buy some of these. They're great reads. They're a lot of fun. And you can always see what I've picked in the past and what this top 10 list I'll put on my site, of course, sunspotscomics.com slash pull list and uh, check it out. And, and even the number ones, I mean, four of them were three of them, you know, four of them made the top 10, three of them, which were Marvel number ones, but Paper Girl, fantastic number one. And uh, so check it all out. Check out the list. And thank you very much for listening. Hope you had a good time. I did. And uh, I'll be talking to you next week when I'll talk about more stuff about comic books. And don't forget to check out uh, sunspotscomics.com and zombiedestroyers.com. And, of course, following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at sunspotscomics. So thank you so much. And, of course, don't forget to renew your subscription to... I will go up to the six-fingered man and say, Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Live from our bedroom, it's the sunspotscomics.com podcast.